and welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. Hi, this is Cam and I'm here with Nancy on the Hand in Hand show, a podcast part of Stroke Focus Network. And we're going to be talking with Kathy. So Kathy, tell us a little bit about yourself and the program you are running. Okay, my, uh, my full-time job is I run the Comprehensive Stroke Program at the Penn State Hershey Medical Center. Part of that then is I've had the opportunity to uh, take over a really dynamic stroke support group uh, maybe about six or seven years ago. So we meet once a month. So I get credit for this fabulous support group that I sort of um, was able to inherit. So those are the the things that occupy my day. What is the long and short-term goal of your stroke support program? Well, it's interesting that you say that because this stroke support group has been together for about 26 years now. And so I wasn't there when it was formed. And so... I think when you talk about what are the goals for the stroke support group, you know, I talked to some of the, we have a couple original members still, which is very cool. Um, And they say, well, they, they felt like they wanted to get together and talk to each other and sort of uh, see if they could commiserate or share ideas. And that's what I hear what from um, nurses and therapists and stroke survivors around the country when they decide to form a support group, that seems to be the general reason getting some resources, finding out if somebody has, uh, has any answers. We have adjusted, if you will, gotten more focused with our goals in the past couple of years through some of the lessons that we've learned. And so I would say in, in the short run, now our idea is to make sure that we are bringing as many resources as possible. One of the challenges of the support group is that we know we have ideas for topics that we think that they would like to hear about, and we look then for the experts. We are an academic medical center, so we have a little more availability of finding either researchers or clinical uh, physicians who might be able to speak to them. But then the challenge is we meet during the day. Can they find time to be break free from what they get paid to do every day in order to come speak to our group. And it's not, they're not professionals. Our group is, you know, stroke survivors and caregivers. And we have been challenged sometimes when we reach out to some of the professionals and who say, so how many people will there be? And you can almost see them weighing, is it worth their time to interrupt their day? Because they're not, they're not speaking. You know, we certainly cannot afford to pay them and they're not really Um, educating other professionals. A concept just popped into my head, which may or may not work for you, but we have, you have the availability of Zoom to interview them on their hours and then edit it and then show it to your people later. I love that idea. It's, um, it's resources and time. You know, one of the lessons that we had learned with our uh, stroke support group was asking them what they wanted to know. We thought as healthcare professionals, we knew what the stroke patients and their families needed to learn about. We thought we knew what they should know or what they should be interested in. And so they, they asked for more edgy kind of topics, things that were things they had read about or heard about on the news, stem cell research, or some of the new devices. Um, they knew somebody who had a device, could they know more about it? 
And so then we realized we had to stop and ask them, you know, they wanted to know what about uh, sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome? Is that, how is that related to stroke? And so um, it's been real interesting. And, and that was one of our, one of our moments where we had to realize that we need to let them drive the content of our meetings. That's amazing. I was going to ask you what they asked for, but you already did that. <laughs> you seem <Yep>. to <laughs> answer my questions before I get them out. Um, do you do you put out like a a flat or a piece of paper or something and ask them to give you ideas, or how do you get their ideas from them? Well, once a year we agree that it's a planning meeting, so we usually take July each year, and we'll and they'll know because we send out a monthly flyer. Um, we have a mailing list of. You know, we send out to close to 100 people. We generally have about 25 or so people that attend each month. Um, they, uh, and so we will tell them what's coming up. And um, we'll always let them know that, you know, come with ideas. Tell us what you want. And then if you've heard anybody or, you know, if you've suggested, you have any suggestions. So I agree with you about trying to find speakers and topics, things that interest those who are there. My problem, and I do a stroke support group myself, but we do one during the week and we do one on the weekends uh, twice a month. And the weekends, no one wants to come. And I get that. Um, you know, during the week, fortunately, the one is later in the afternoon. So sometimes we can get people, but, you know, not a lot. So usually I end up doing open discussions with people about what they want to talk about. And we just exchange ideas on how we went about it. But I wish we could do more. And now with these podcasts, as Nancy was saying, I am considering using some on occasion and using some YouTube stuff or whatever and trying to uh, get that up and going because you want to keep them engaged. Um, that's the other thing. And that keeps them coming. Although, uh, the one big thing that they always talk about is that it's social too. So it's knowing that there's somebody else that's a survivor or um, caregiver or a family and they're all struggling. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and you know, when, when one of our members asked us last year for stem cell research and I, we couldn't find anybody at med center. And, and to ask somebody to travel from a great distance is, you know, but as you said, you know, the idea of using Zoom would be, would be a possibility and maybe someday. But the other advantage is, you know, when I, once I discovered um, Walhalla or Stroke Focus, then we saw right away there, was, there were um, some lectures on stem cell research. So that's on our schedule. I think that's August. We're going to be, go, we have that on our agenda. And that we're going to be talking about stem cell research. Now, we are not the experts, but we're going to show them. You know, we're going to go to Walhalla. We're going to go to the link, show them how simple that is, and then we're going to talk about what it is they heard and, and what they thought of it. So that'll be the first time we're using a Walhalla resource, but we, we see there, there are many there. And that has, I have directed many nurses um, and therapists who run support groups um, I've directed them to this site because everybody's always saying, I need some interesting topics. So I think this, that has been the answer for us. Yeah. It, you know, and I have to say um, to the whole group, too, we have some blogs and stuff. I've used those in other podcasts that I've done. I do another one. 
And um, I go through and, and read parts of them and, and talk about, you know, how I feel about them and how, you know, other things that I've heard. And I think it, they make for great conversations. So, um, yeah, so good for you in doing that. No matter where the information comes from, we want it to come from Stroke Focus or Wahala. Um, but, you know, it's at this point, sometimes it's, it's wherever you can get things because it isn't always in one place. Although uh, stroke focus is getting there. Yeah. Well, I, I, to me, it looks like a beautiful resource that, you know, are, these are topics that we've known people have been curious about. And I just didn't know how to get that expert. And now I do. Um, and now I don't have to produce it right locally on site. Kathy, to a new TBI or stroke survivor, what are the common mistakes and what advice would you give? And, you know, I, when I had seen the, you know, when I thought about those questions and I thought I, for one, having not experienced stroke, am a little uncomfortable thinking about me giving advice. I have to re return back to my nursing roots and say, okay, make sure you're taking your medication like it's prescribed, you know, make sure you're, you know, getting plenty of rest, make sure you're, you know, getting some exercise. I'm, I'm all about that secondary prevention of, so they don't have another stroke. And so they might notice if there's any deterioration. As far as advice, um, I have advised many of our stroke support group members and others that I have come across in the community about using this website. Because I think that if I could give advice, I would say find a support group. And I think ideally, if you can find a local one with people that you can touch and socialize with, because many stroke survivors seem to tend to um, become withdrawn and hang around at home more. And for, for myriad reasons, you know, they, they are either tired of being stared at or they're tired of having to deal with, you know, the physical limitations of some of the deficits they have. And, and so I understand that. I think, I think I might be the same way. Um, I hope I'd never know what that's like, but, um, so if they can't, then then this um, the this getting in into social media and into the uh, internet selectively and carefully, I think, is really a smart way to go. So how how do you get people into your stroke support group? Do you like advertise out? Do you um, have uh, in the hospital? Do you give them a card and hope that they come, or or how do you do that? Well, with ours, um, we have signs up at our uh, rehab hospital where many of our patients go for acute rehab. And we do put um, an invitation that we had created um, in each of their discharge packets when they go home, there's an invite to come and join us. But what we hear, you know, whenever we have new people come, I'll say, how did you know about us? Where, how did you hear about us? And it's, they saw the sign in the gym at the rehab hospital. And so it seems, I must say, in all my years of doing this, I've never had anybody say, it was that invitation in my discharge packet. I'm afraid there's too much paperwork. I'm afraid it is overwhelming, and I bet it gets lost. And maybe at that immediate moment when they are finally home, are they, is that just too much to think about going to a support group? I don't know. I, I haven't found that magic sauce or that, that magic schedule, like when's the best time to invite somebody to join? But I did, um, I had a chance to speak to a group of nurses at a boot camp for uh, stroke coordinators, and I'm talking about stroke support groups. And um, 
I learned there's a lot of different models and many of the uh, nurses that I spoke with talked about um, that they send out flyers or they have local newspapers that they put ads in, um, you know, inviting people to come to their support groups. Yes, I, I can tell you from a stroke survivor's point of view that you're right, that those packets and the papers that you get, I don't know what happened to them. I do remember somebody from the stroke support group came to my room, gave me a card. I was very interested, but I was so overwhelmed, you know, that that didn't even um, occur to me to do. I mean, I knew it was there. I remembered it, but it was at the rehab, the outpatient rehab, actually, that I did. They had a card sitting out, and I grabbed it one day and thought, well, Maybe I'll go try this out. But it was a couple of months because you know, I wasn't driving and different things. So, you know, I think that uh, advertising every way you can, hopefully that they saw the card or they saw the person, you know, that kind of uh, thing. And it, it inspired them to start thinking about it at least. Um, so... Um, do you separate your caregivers and uh, survivors, or do they all stay in together? Yeah, I believe, I would say that's probably the biggest aha moment we've ever had was in that um, we sort of tripped into the idea of separating caregivers from survivors. And we had discovered that our caregivers were super, super frustrated at our meetings and they seem to they would sort of pull each other aside and they would be talking about what you know things that frustrated them they didn't want to say it in front of their loved ones um, the survivors when we discovered this idea of separating the caregivers from the survivors it was that maybe the caregivers needed it more than the survivors and so we asked a couple of them what do you think if we put you guys in a separate room would you like that And they're like yes yes please do it please do it so we tried it, and the, care, the survivors were very unhappy about it. They were very uncomfortable having their caregivers removed from the room. Um, but we, we hung in there, and we did it, and we you know, tried to distract um, the survivors, but they really didn't like it. Um, and so we tried to acknowledge that. That's why I you know, sat with them, and it's like, you know, well, you know, what do you think? You know, what, so I tried to get them to talk about how they felt. Do they get frustrated sometimes? Do they feel like... They were treated like children. You know, those are the kind of things you hear sometimes from some of them. And so the caregivers just raved about how they could support each other honestly and openly. And so then we decided that we better do it more often because they really liked it. And whenever we did do it, we were only doing it maybe like twice a year. And, and they just, they would come in droves when they saw it was on the um, list of events. So we now do it every three months. That's how we build our schedule. We start out by plugging in um, those four times and we plug in our picnic in June and our um, Christmas party in December. And then it actually leaves, you know, what, um, six other uh, sessions to get speakers for. Um, and now with using um, the resources that we found here with, uh, with Lohala, it, um, it's, it's actually gotten much easier to come up with topics for the meetings. Yes. So um, when, a, a stroke survivor comes or and, and or a caregiver um, do you find that there's a time frame like 
are they usually new stroke survivors and caregivers or are they two years down the road or or is there any um, time frame really? It's an interesting question. Um, and I would have to say, I wasn't really paying attention to that up until the last couple of years because I've been getting more curious about what makes a stroke support group tick and how might we do more to enhance it. And so finding out that they saw it in the rehab gym and then we always will, you know, say to uh, walk all around the room tell us you know who you are how long ago your stroke was they're generally there i'd say four to six months out from their stroke is when they maybe have gotten their act together feel like okay now i'm maybe getting frustrated i've exhausted the resources i was given on discharge and now i'm still not thrilled with where i am you know what else is there so um that's that's been my impression what topics do you cover with your caregivers then? Um, the caregivers, we don't give them any topics and we don't go in the room with them because the other uh, lesson we learned when we, we had first separated them, um, one of our nurses went into the, into the room with the caregivers to sort of to represent if anybody had questions about, you know, how something had happened in the, with the hospital experience or something, but they were constantly stopping because they were going to complain about, care that had been received or information that hadn't been given and they would stop and apologize. And so we said, so I talked to some of the, the more seasoned caregivers and said, are you guys okay on your own? Cause I don't know that you need us and I think we might inhibit you guys. And they said, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Just give us that separate space. And so we don't give them topics. Our meetings are only supposed to be an hour. And when we do this breakout session, we easily go an hour and a half hour, 45 minutes. Cause they just, they are just, and they come out, you can tell someone they've been crying, and they'll say it's just so helpful to be able to speak frankly with other caregivers. Have you considered respite parties, creating parties for them, where they don't just sit in and um, rehash all of their old issues, hmm. although that sometimes has value, but giving them just time to stop thinking about everything together and go out and, and have fun? Yeah, that's interesting. We hope to do that with our Christmas party. We have a local band that comes and plays for free because they just love this group and uh, they were friends of Amy's. And so they come and we sing Christmas carols and stuff. And, um, and then our picnic, um, our medical director comes and cooks uh, hot dogs and, and uh, on the grill. And, you know, we just sort of try to just play, but now interesting respite party so they could get out without, um, without their stroke survivors. Exactly, exactly. I'm thinking of yeah. dinner out once a month with other caregivers. Interesting. Pick, pick a restaurant and have them go there, anybody who wants to, providing they can get somebody to watch their survivor if needed. Yeah. And I thought you were going to the idea of maybe having them bring them for a meeting at our patient, and then they would go off and do something. Um, well, that, well that's, that's another way of doing it, too. Yeah, yeah. Interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just let them have fun because yeah. respite is an amazing, amazing help yes. and an amazing release. It's a really good point. Yep. I think I need to explore that more. Well, Kathy, uh, our time is up. So I want to thank you for being with us. And I absolutely want to ask you to come back because 
I have about 10 more questions uh, <laughs> that we could ask, which will be another like half hour show at least. Um, but this has really been interesting for me as a facilitator of a stroke support group, listening to things that you say. So I would love to have you come back if you have some time and um, talk to you some more. But thank you for being with Nancy and I. We really enjoyed this. Hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Kathy. Yep, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.